Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, Night Shift Emergency Physician, Burnout Thriver, and Wellness Champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory MD. See you there. There. Hello, hello, hello. Fearless Freedom Tribe, Dr. G is here. And I hope that you are doing fantastic. Today, we have Victoria Lowell. And she's going to tell you all about herself and what she is up to. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. G. It's such an honor to be here. And thank you to, to your audience to, um, for tuning in and listening. I'm so excited to, to have this conversation. Awesome. So tell us uh, what you do. I started a company called Empowered Worth uh, back in 2019. Uh, did the most crazy thing, um, a, 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 quite frankly, a, a fearful jump into entrepreneurship for me. I left um, working at Wall Street. I was working at Wall Street for uh, eight years as a financial advisor, and I was dealing primarily with women. I just got so tired of having all these women who would come to me, and they were amazing, and they were suffering through divorce and not having had tapped into any of their financial power and their finances, and they were suffering because of that. And I decided I've been put here to change the narrative. I'm, I'm here. I have all this education. I have walked their walk in terms of having basically put all of the financial pressure in my, my family on my husband. Um, it's time for me to give back. So that's what became slowly a passion for me. And in 2018, I went to a client's um, empowerment retreat and I went just to support my client and she ended up changing my life. So 2019, okay. I started Empowered Wharf. Okay. And so, you know, you, it's interesting that you saw a pain point that you, you said that you also had. So yeah. You, yeah. So you, um, so then what, what happened? So did, did you just like, what, what happened? What was the next step? Well, so your client kind of gave you the epiphany and then. Yeah. It's, it's weird because I thought that back when I went through my financial awakening, which happened in 2008 with obviously the whole market crash, um, right. I, I woke up one day and said, oh my God, I, I don't even know what my mortgage is. Like, I, what, what happens if this, if this incredible man dies? I wouldn't know how to, where to go for a life, where's the life insurance policy? I didn't know anything. I was living in that Cinderella bubble, I like to call it, where I'm happily ever after and I didn't know what the ever after actually meant. Uh, so I thought I was alone. I'm working in finance and I start hearing all these stories. I'm like, oh my God, I'm actually one of these incredible women, I, I, I have walked their walk, I can show them how to get there. I can show them how to grab financial empowerment. And maybe they, they don't end up working um, for a Wall Street firm like I did, but they will definitely be more in touch with their 
their financial apathy. And that's really what it is. It's financial apathy. It's just that we're not connecting with it because of societal conventions that we've been fed our whole lives. So I created a platform that's Empowered Worth. I provide personal finance education um, via an on-demand course. I do coaching. I also help with divorce financials um, and college um, funding sources and student loan uh you know, uh, kind of planning and how we're going to pay for that and all those type of things that women are kind of suffering through financially in this country. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that definitely is a huge need because I I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, I have talked to people who, yeah, no, no idea. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, do you not uh, do you not we not invest? Do you not like get the charity? Like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Oh, it's shocking. Like, I, I remember when I wrote my book, um, uh, talking about my grandmother in the book and how she didn't even know how to write a check. And while most of the women I, I met didn't know how to write a check, you couldn't, you, I had women who literally would say to them, dealing with a divorce, where does the income come from? And they would say, well, my husband's a businessman. Okay, where does the income come from? They couldn't tell you anything about what their husbands did for a living and that he was an entrepreneur. Um, and he had a business and they did not know how that business was structured or anything. No idea. No, they couldn't help you with the finances of the divorce because they had no, no idea. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, that is, that is, that's hard. You know, so it, it's always kind of funny to me because I know like one of the things that, you know, we were counseled on before we got married. First of all, we got married late or I was like 30 when I got married. But, you know, like, I, mean, I guess it's considered late these days. I don't know. But, um, but you know, one of the things they were counseled on was have conversations about parenting and have conversations about money. Like, for example, establish whether it's going to be one account, whether it's going to be separate accounts. Well, you know, like, what's going to be the deal? Like, who's going to handle the bills? Is it going to be, you know, one person's income covers X or Y and... The other person, like, really establish all those things before you tie the knot, right? Because yes, yes, you tend, yes. You tend not to talk about those things after, and then, well, you know all the other stuff like life insurance, and make sure you have the life insurance. Make sure you have a will, even if you're like twenty. Make sure you have we, a will. We don't have the uncomfortable conversation until it's too late. And that's just true of so many things. And I think particularly with finance, I counsel a lot of my clients' children now who are starting to get married or starting to move in together to start having that conversation. The fact that you got financial counseling or marital counseling that included financial counseling pre-marriage, I think is fantastic. I wish that it were required because I will sit down with a couple who will say, I didn't know she had student loan debt. Oh when we God. got married, I'm like, how did you not ask this question? I'm like, we, we never, it, it never came up. It never came up. And, and I think right now to say it never came up is really an excuse. And it's a bad one. Um, I think we all know, Hey, let's talk about money. Look at, I even, I, and I've written blogs on this. Look at how you're spending money. I think Valentine's day is so telling. If you have, or you're with, with a girl, let's say, who expects you to buy her diamonds and you're not making enough to even pay your rent and she's bitter about it, she makes you feel bad, she might have a spending issue and you better find out about that. Um, I, I, there's a lot of things that we can just look at and I think it's so important. And I'm a big proponent of prenuptial agreements, even if you don't have a lot of money. 
I, I first of all, I really do think that why not talk about these things when you're in love as opposed to when you hate each other and you're going to divorce. But also because there's a lot of discovery that goes on during the prenuptial process. So you kind of have to lay all your finances out there and bare to really be able to draft that document. And now you know. Same thing. If you're moving in together uh, and you don't believe in marriage, a lot of millennials just want to cohabitate. You need a cohabitation agreement. You need one. Because in some states, guess what? After five years of living together, you are technically married. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's important. And I think it's so fantastic that you got that. I wish more people would. And I wish that we would just change the narrative that we don't talk about money, which is what it comes down to. But it, it, I mean, that whole not talking about money transitions to a lot of different things because that is true. Because I look at it like this. So as a physician, like I can't really, I can't really go to a colleague and be like, hey, how much money do you make? Or like, hey, like, you know, and I think that's really ridiculous because what the, what happens with that is, a scenario like this so you may have two residents that graduate from residency and they get offered the same job one's male one's female and the male can sometimes be offered thousands tens of thousands of dollars more than the female for the same skill set and so if you're not talking to each other then that is something that is gotten away with right and so yes. you are like in an over time over time, that's a huge amount of money that is left on the table from, you know, from oh. a woman's standpoint. And so it's like, it's so crazy that we don't talk about money because it's like, well, what's the big deal? Like, people expect that you're going to, like, do a thing and get paid for it. Like, so why, why would we not talk about it? I don't, I don't I, know. I, I so agree with you. And I think particularly for women, it's really important that we network with each other, not only within our same companies, um, but in the same industry and ask, hey, what are you making? What's the average? Because how can we negotiate? You don't go into a negotiation blind. You have to have a point there to know this is what my, the average of what I'm making. I wish that you could do that. We could just call up, like call up a hospital and say, what is your story? But it doesn't work like that. No, so we have to talk. We have to talk to each other. And 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 quite frankly, I do think that a lot of those conventions come in in a way to kind of maybe keep the pay disparity going that we see among minorities and among women. Um, And I think that it's really, really, once we demystify it and we talk about it, then it can't be over our heads anymore. That glass ceiling is there because we don't talk about the glass ceiling. If we talk about it, then our voices will scream out and shatter it. That's really my, my feeling about that and about so many other things. Let's just talk about it. Talk about money. Talk about what you're making. Talk about how you're investing. Talk about the lack of child care in, in your company. Get a, get a movement going so that you can change that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's um, so I say all that because clearly your service is well needed. <laughs> because, because of stuff like that. And, and these are like, um, and obviously these are, you know, these are um, situations that are happening in, uh, you know, all the professions. It's not just medicine. I'm sure it's happening in, you know, in law and in, uh, in, in business and, and pretty much everywhere. So, but we, people just don't talk about it. And as you said, it makes it difficult to know where to start and what to bring to the negotiation table. Because if you know what the range is and you know what the range is for your level of expertise, then you can better go in informed so that you can say, all right, this is the deal. Like I am not leaving 
with, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. leaving with less than this. Right. And so, right. but then if you don't have a threshold, you can't really negotiate properly or, or effectively. Exactly. And I tell people who say, I feel uncomfortable. I tell them, so you don't know what people make. I go, you know what people make. We all know what politicians make. It's public knowledge. You know what professional athletes make. Professional athletes, their agents go back to the owners when they're signing contracts and say, well, look, these many receivers made this, and these are their stats, and this is comparable. That's how we do it. It's like when you're buying and selling a house. You know what the square footage is going for. You got to have the comps. You have to do that. And once you put it in that vernacular, I think people start to feel more comfortable about it. But that's why you see a lot of a lot of these athletes get these gigantic contracts because they know what they're worth and they're charging it. Hey, and I'm not mad at them. I think it's great. (laughs) I mean, I wish you would do the same thing. (laughs) Yes. But but imagine imagine the power. I always say when you see things that they say, oh, this this. uh, you know, I remember back in the day, friends, the cast got together and negotiated as a collective with their producers to make X amount. The power that they had because they were negotiating together. Imagine what would happen if every cardiologist in a hospital said, hey, we're all up for renewal. Why don't we get together? This is how many surgeries we're doing. This is how much the hospital makes per surgery. We produce X. This is and this and you, it's a mathematical formula. And this is what we're worth. So now here, give it to us. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it sounds very reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if the hospital thinks that, though, but yeah. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. No one wants us talking about money, That and that's the sad thing about it. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Well, think, well, think, well, I want you to, and I just had this conversation recently because my, my friends always laugh because we get together and I one time said, I go, we talk about everything. We talk about sex. We talk about religion. We talk about politics, but we don't talk about money. And everybody's, oh no, we can't talk about money. I go, we've had conversations at this, this, the, at, at my dinner table, having wine about 50 shades of gray and somebody getting spanked, but yet we have a problem talking about a 401k. Mm. I want you to really think about that. That's where we've gone. We won't talk about that at all. I don't, it's, it's why, why is money so dirty? Why have we given it? We've actually given money so much power over ourselves. It's a taboo topic of conversation. You know, I think, and I've had conversations about this whole money mindset thing. And I think it has a lot to do with number one, our upbringing. So if Mm -hmm. when you were growing up, there was either a scarcity situation or, um, you know, there was like some not so healthy um, habits surrounding money. So maybe there was a parent who was a spendthrift and it caused arguments between the two parents, or maybe, you know, there was just not a lot of money around and you couldn't, you weren't able to do some of the things. So, you know, whatever we experience as in our childhood, sometimes that converts to how we manage money as adults. So we could be like, if we had the spendthrift parent, then maybe we might be the one who is just hoarding all the money. Like, you know, you're not spending anything on yourself. You're just constantly, like, every cent you make, you're packing it away that, you know, that's not being going to bills or whatever. But, like, you know, that could be your totally. concept. Yeah. Or totally. It could be, or it could be that you just, you just, you may, you might find yourself attracted to somebody who's like your parent. And it yes. frustrates you and it causes you a lot of angst and a lot of anguish. So, yeah, it's, 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 just, it's fascinating how, like, it's got a background in us. If it, it, with what I do, I hear so many stories because that's one of the first things I do. And one of the questions that I, is so telling for me is when I ask somebody, what's your first memory of money? 
a lot for a lot of women it's their mother asking for money and what ensued after was it a fight was it some sort of sexual situation for her to get that money from your father what was it that happened and that's where the relationship of money starts your relationship of money started when you were a child we all had it we, we some of us may have had that that uncle or aunt that gave you the two dollar bill if you gave him a kiss you know that's a relationship of money you you were taught something in that moment so we need to really i think break it down and do the homework and unpack all of that so that we can start to have a healthy relationship with money. But you are spot on that, yes, it comes from not only, I would say, what we saw, but what our family generationally saw. Um, I recently had a conversation with somebody. We were talking about our grandparents who went through the Depression. And, and that is still affecting us. That's why some of us hoard. Because it's not because we're hoarding. It's because we saw the hoarding mentality from people who went through, had literally nothing. They were starving during the Depression. So they hoarded everything. And we're walking around. I mean, there's a TV show, Hoarders. You see people doing it. It's Why? Why are, why are they doing that? The Millionaire Next Door, that incredible book that came out um, back in the early 2000s, where it talked about these people who were sitting and they were millionaires, and you wouldn't tell. You couldn't tell that by looking at them. They were hoarding money. They were hoarding money. Um, so you do have to, I think, kind of really unpack that and look at that and, and get into knowing, and it's something I cover in my book, the four different types of money personality. Um, you know, are you a money avoider? Are you a money worshiper? Are you a money vigilant? Um, uh, think about those. Which one am I and why am I one of those? Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny because, like, we talk about money a lot in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good. I wish more people would. Yeah, it's, I, it's fun for us, that's why. <laughs> yeah, I like, I, it's the same thing, like people like Monopoly. Everybody says, it's funny because Monopoly is actually, a, it's a pretty popular game. I think people still buy it. It's a really long game to play. I still tell everybody who buys it, buy the Monopoly that actually has money. Don't buy the credit, there's a new one that's a credit card and you swipe. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> No, say it is not so. That's like there's, a sacrilege. That, there's a new one. I'm like, no, buy the other one. Have, so, have your little kids be the bank. It teaches math skills. But everybody hates it. And I have, I can tell you in our family, we have dragged down fights because I, I grew up with, from a long line of entrepreneurs and my dad was in sales. So I'm all about making the deal. I want to immediately, as soon as I can, start making side deals. My husband was a strict rule follower. He comes from a family where they follow the rules. So when I try to make side deals, oh my God, the fights. When we first get married and we started playing, he's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, it's, a, it's, it's, it's monopoly. Like you're supposed to be working yeah, to get more to get on the, the, the money. Monopoly. I, get a monopoly. And he's like, oh no, 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 no. You can't. He gets all upset. We, we, we start questioning our values and what we're taught. I think it is, I wish everybody could do that. Do that with your, with your, with your, if you're dating, if you're going to marry somebody, bring a game of Monopoly to their house with their parents and their siblings if they have them and play Monopoly. Mm. It's very okay. telling how, how they, it's when the real money behavior comes out is when that Monopoly okay. board hits, hits the table. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. That's too funny. <laughs> It's true. And more than that and the game of life. The game of life, but more, that's which is banned in my house, by the way. We are not allowed to play the game of life. Um, cause I had, yeah, because I had a daughter who never wanted to go to college. And she'd end up winning the game of life. 
and not have that my husband was like i don't want her learning that you can win at life and not go to college right but you can but you can and he was like so upset about that he's so upset she's actually leaving the college now in the fall thank god but for years i think he couldn't go to sleep wondering if she was not going to go to college because that game was teaching her the wrong thing and and it's it's hysterical it's the whole varsity blues thing yeah. i remember my husband turning to me and going going well aunt becky was stupid her she just shouldn't have sent that girl to college she was making a million dollars why she sent her to college i'm like there you go the game of life right there yes indeed <laughs> i mean hey if you think of something and you patent that thing and that thing is making you a ridiculous residual income there's no need for you to go to college <laughs> i i i I say it all the time and people get so mad at me because they're like thinking you're 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 an empowerment this is what you do for a living you talk about this and I always say I actually believe in a little way in, in the Chris Jenner school of, of, of parenting which is if your children are making eight figures nine figures right. yeah. why would they why would you put them in co- college will always be there college isn't going anywhere and you can get a diploma if you endow a college. If you have oh, enough yeah. money, they'll Honor give you a diploma. Right? They'll give you a diploma. Yeah, for anywhere. Anywhere. For anywhere. For anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but th- those are the conversations in my house that can lead to high-level arguments. <laughs> no, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had the whole, like, uh, well, so, okay, what we've said is the only exemption from college or some kind of, like, trade something right so maybe mm-hmm. you don't go to college but maybe you do like a trade maybe you do like you know graphic design whatever but you're doing mm-hmm. something right some kind right. of skill set that you're getting better at and so if we don't if you don't do that then you have to have a business that's doing very well and can sustain you so that's yes. those are the options those are the only options <laughs> that that to me is the only option i and i i have no problem if you're leaving college because you're an athlete and this is the moment to go into a draft situation of course that makes total sense yeah. um but yeah I'm, I'm i'm a big proponent and i do a lot of stuff where um i haven't done it unfortunately with covid um it just i didn't have the opportunity in 2020 i, I used to sit down with college seniors and talk to them about adulting and I would always say, you know, you make your most, your biggest financial decision at the age of 17, and that's where you choose to go to college. The degree that costs you seventy dollars to $80,000 will probably get you the same amount of money as the person who went to a state school and paid forty. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Or even community college. Oh, my gosh. Like, to me, like, I was like, oh. I mean, I, thankfully, I was blessed enough to have gotten scholarships to go to school from, you know, I use my brain. Mm. <laughs> Good. But, Good. But, but you went for it. Yeah, you worked for it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was I was burning the midnight oil in the library. But, you know, but but if you don't have that right or if there's not an option, there's there are so many fantastic community colleges that you literally go there. You can like pay for it like up front. So there's no debt for the first two years. And then if you still want to go to a four year after that, you just make sure that when you're choosing a community college, it's one that's going to transfer to the school that you ultimately want to go to. And so therefore you only have two years worth of debt versus four, because it's just like the price now is like unbelievable. How much it costs to go to college. It's 
it's out of control and at the end of the day and i know that malcolm gladwell wrote about this in david and goliath you're going to be sitting next to probably the same person that went to state school that person is probably going to have a higher self-esteem because they weren't as beaten down as maybe you were in an ivy where maybe you didn't feel like you were the smartest in the class and this girl rocked it she had great resources because state schools because they are state funded have great resources um, so I just, and, and everybody's, oh, the alumni network at some of these schools, some of these IVs or IVS schools. I'm like, the alumni network is only as good as the student who knows how to use it. Yes. If your child doesn't talk to anybody and has no social skills because they've only been studying and have never done anything else, you're not going to network and you're wasting money. I'm a big, and I'm also a big proponent. And when I used to do this talk, I used to tell them, I go, ask me, because I used to do finance and I used to do a high net worth individuals. I said, ask me what my biggest entrepreneur does for a living they'd all raise their hand i'm like he's a plumber i believe that he's a plumber i believe that he he went to vocational school his dad was a plumber he went to vocational school learned plumbing he's a commercial plumber and does all the plumbing in most of the high-rises in miami downtown that's fantastic i go that because because the one thing that college will not teach you and high school will not teach you is ambition yes it's true and and I wish that more I wish more parents would hear that and take the pressure off the kids and let them know it's okay to go to community college. It's yeah, okay not it's to okay. have it not to have it figured out. Um right. I I I ended up in finance. I studied human resources. Yeah. And, and 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 really I got married and basically hung up my or didn't I put my degree in a closet and raised children for numerous years, dusted that sucker off and realized, oh my God, I have to restart because it had been so many years. So I do think that it's important to have those conversations. I also talk a lot to women about having careers, especially if you, if you are that one, that girl who thinks, I want to stay home, I'm going to want to be with my kids. Pick a career that is easy to do from home. Graphic art, you can work from home. Accounting, you can work from home. Real estate lawyer, you can work from home. There's a lot of stuff that you can do from home. A lot Even of the tech. So now, <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of a lot of the tech industry, a lot of the tech industry works from home. So think about that. Make it work for you. But we we don't let our kids have that freedom, and it's really sad. It's really sad that we are so wrapped up in being able to go to a cocktail party and say that you know, little Mary. Um, our little Toby is going to X um, more than to say, yeah, you know what? They're going to community college. I am paying a dingle and we're all happy. No one wants to say that. Yeah, I do. I do hear that. It's kind of, kind of funny, but like, uh, so, so our situation is a little interesting because we homeschool. They've never been to real school before, like real school, but like Mm -hmm. they've been to like brick and mortar school. And so, you know, our plan before we moved to Guam was to um, have them do uh, the high school and college thing. So they basically would have graduated from high school at 17 or whatever age and had associate's degree and then be able to like choose their, you know, their deal after that and just spend two years. And so they'd be like under 20 years old and out there with a piece of paper that, you know, whatever they do with it. But, you know, there's so many like hacks these days that you really don't have to. And I mean, vocational school is fantastic. So you mentioned plumbing, but like if you're in places in America where um, heating and cooling is needed, then Mm -hmm. that skill is 
amazing to have because oh, yeah. you will not be out of a job. Everybody who lives in some place cold needs a needs heat. So they need to have their furnaces taken care of, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody who lives in some place that's hot needs air conditioning. So you, they need to have their air conditioner service. So you will not be without a job, no matter you what's going on with the economy. So, you won't. You know, you have to start thinking outside the box as to what kind of things you can do that will be, you know, will give you like sustenance, right? Yes, and look at and look at the people around you. Uh, I remember during Hurricane Irma, we needed a, we were without power for weeks and weeks, and we needed a generator. So we had this gentleman come out to install a generator. Now he had a company. He was an electrician. Came out and says, generator, as he's doing this in the middle of the darkness, my husband's old, holding up a flashlight. My husband comes and goes, he has a $100,000 Rolex on his wrist. Yes. Boom. And, my, and he goes, I went, my husband goes, I went, I went into the wrong business. I went into the wrong business. <laughs> yeah. I go, of course, because in Florida, you're going to make money because you're installing generators. Oh, yeah. And people will pay you. And it's, it's the same thing for heat. It's the same thing for that. There is so much that you can learn. And so much right now in the tech industry, I feel, that you can learn through a vocational school. That you don't need to have a four-year degree from a high-name university to be able to do and do well. No. Mm-mm. It's, it's it's always a little bit comical because you know so I, I, you know I'm a physician right so it was like a lot of years of training and sacrifice etc. But you know I look at friends who you know came out the gate and they just you know they they got their bachelor's or whatever and then they started working and I'm like you do realize that you should really be a millionaire by now. Like I have a harder time becoming a millionaire than you do because you have time. And so I think that the other thing that people are not taught or don't think about is how to invest and how to save at an early age so that they can benefit from the time value of money. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We don't we don't teach the time value of money. We don't teach teach component interest in school in a way that children because we teach it i mean they do go through a math segment and they learn you know you do this but we don't teach it in a relatable way um i'm always shocked when i do like i said that that when i sit down with the singers and i talk about credit cards and i and i literally i whip out a really nice designer bag and i hold it up and i go how much do you think this costs everybody says the name and i said but wait a minute you put it on your visa so it didn't cost this because it took you five years to pay this purse off. So this purse actually cost you $10,000. And they're all like freaked out. I go, that's the time value of money. And while it can grow in your savings, it can hurt you when you when you take on debt. And debt is more expensive than what they're paying you to save it. So I think that that needs to be taught in a very easy, relatable, concrete way. I so agree with you on that. I also feel that we come out of the box, out of the gate, right having graduated and there's so many expectations and i tell people why 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 do you have this expectation that you must buy a home here and you get into these incredible mortgages when you have student debt a lot of times and now you can't afford anything now you're miserable you better like that house a lot because you aren't going anywhere you're not going to dinner you're not going on vacation you're not doing anything okay that house better be everything and a hot tamale on top of that because that's where you're gonna they're, they're gonna bury you in the backyard um so i wish people would think about that because they don't i'm like why do we feel a need yes and we should buy a home at some point but you don't have to do it right out of the box you don't you really don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so funny because we do tell like whenever I get my hands on a residence, I will always tell them like, look, you get done with this. You, you live like a resident for like five years. Like you drive like the same car. You just don't, you know, like you get your debt. Cause I mean, they have some ridiculous debt. Like I went to a state medical school. So, and I was in state, so I did not pay that much money. And so it's like, yeah, my, my mom was smart. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically, you know, uh, you know, they come out and they have like three hundred thousand dollars in debt, like easy. Plus, and that's not even including their undergrad. So I'm like, no, you need to live like a resident. You know, you need to keep thinking that, you know, this is all you're getting, all you're getting and you survive just fine on this amount of money. So you need to continue that. And all that extra, you just pay mm -hmm. off those those loans. Just get it off your back. Yes. Because well, we had we had growing crazy. up. Um, my husband had a, a friend who went to medical school and he, he did it on student loans and he then went to work at the VA and everybody was like, why is he working at the VA? He could be in private practice. He could be doing oh, this. No, <laughs> it was brilliant because I paid his loan. And no one could understand this. I'm like, they're paying his loan. I would try to explain to people, I'm like, they're paying his loan. Like, but no, 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 he could be in private practice. He'd be in private practice, pulling every on-call duty. Okay. And making minimal no percentage yet because he would not be a partner in that practice he would be an employee making nothing he he was very smart he lived but again like you said he drove he drove his little car that his parents had gotten him when he graduated high school he drove that to his wedding <laughs> they lived in his townhouse um and, and in fact i think they rented the townhouse they rented this townhouse the townhouse was horrid it had horrible horrible shack carpeting they ended up when this was all over they waited to have children that was another thing they waited they did not rush to have kids when he left the va and had all the student loans all of a sudden it was boom there's the million dollar house boom there's their mercedes boom there's the baby and they are set up mm -hmm. and no one could understand it because we live in a society where everything is on demand and must be given to me yes. immediately no delay gratification Mm -hmm. a foreign concept <laughs> oh it's a completely foreign concept i mean that's when i i really try to instill in my kids um but it's hard because you can get on your phone and and go to uber eats and have cupcakes in your house in 20 minutes and you can't i mean it's like star trek we're gonna have a replicator soon we're just gonna ask for it and it'll appear <laughs> um but i i i'm like that's not the way it works it, you have to actually work for it no, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Wow. Yeah. No, this is, uh, this is, this is the truth. <laughs> it's, 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 it's unfortunately the, the ugly, nasty truth. No one wants to talk about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's real. It's real talk for sure. You know, so that's, um, that brings me to a question for you. So then how did you, um, so after you did all this and you got into, um, the coaching of women empowering them. Um, did you have any fear as you were embarking on a, the venture of entrepreneurship? Like, did you feel fear there or no? If I don't feel fear once a week, I'm not doing it right. That's okay. literally, yeah, I, 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 I think love it. I love that. I, 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 if, if I'm not having some sort of anxiety, I, I'm not doing it right. Yes, of course I have. I have always second guessed maybe the minutia, but never the big thing. I never second guessed leaving my job and starting my company. I have not second guessed our mission ever. Have I second guessed? Well, maybe it wasn't the right time to release that, or maybe it wasn't the right time to do this. There, look, 2020 was a year of second guessing. 
Um, I had a whole business plan set up for that year. I remember slaving over it. We had launched in September. We had the book become a bestseller in December. You're going to go out and do a book tour now. You're going to be traveling the whole year. And a global pandemic happened. Right. Yeah, we, we, make, we make, yeah, we make plans. God laughs. And, and God had a doozy of a, of a, he probably fell down and peed his pants laughing at me. Um, but honest to God. Do I second guess myself? Yes. During that year, I think I second guessed myself on should I have invested money in that? If I hadn't invested money in that for the business, which now I can't use because of the pandemic, I could be doing this. Yes, I think I do that all the time. Um, but those are the small things. Um, and hindsight is twenty twenty. And I think as a entrepreneur, you fail and you learn. And there have been things that I have done that I have not been incredibly happy with. It's funny, we did a huge revamping of the website at one point, um, and I ended up really retooling it all over 2020 because I needed to be much more digital. And my website was great, but it was great for a business where I was coaching outside of the home. Um, I was going, I was traveling, I was meeting people, and it didn't work for the virtual world that I was going to embark in. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I also had, I had money put into a, my second book, the book was supposed to drop fall of 2020. Um, so I had to kind of push back and re re kind of do release the book. I remember sitting down talking with other women. And this is why I say it's so important that we network and saying, what are you guys doing with your books? Are you going to release? Are you not going to release? Um, so yeah, I think that's important. Like right now we're doing a big push for our divorce side, the divorce side of Empowered Worth. And it's something that at the beginning when we started it, I got a little bit of pushback from my base. They were all like, why are you concentrating on divorce? Then the Gates divorce hit the news cycle and now everybody's like, ah, oh, we get why you're doing that. And it's because we can we can look at data, which I love to look at and see that trends are coming. So yeah, but yeah, I, I, got, I, just, I go through fear all the time. <laughs> Okay. To go back to the question. No, no, no. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that you shared that, you know, it's it's kind of like part of entrepreneurship. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is. It is. If you're, look, if you're not, I think fear it, it lets you know you're alive in a lot of, in a lot of ways. If, we're, if you're not scared, you're not risking. And if you're not risking, you're, you're not going to make money. Yes. That's just yes. the truth of it. Yep. And you're not growing at all. Yeah. Yeah, you're playing it too. You're you're playing it too close to the vest. You need you need to have a little bit. And quite frankly, if you were risking and had no fear, that would be the definition of insanity. Yes, indeed, indeed. Wow. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, so many truth bombs. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you have to let everybody know how they can get in contact with you. Oh, well, the best way, visit our website, www.empoweredworth.com. That's E-M-P-O-W-E-R-E-D-W-O-R-T-H.com. And I'm on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Pinterest. It's all, if you put um, at Empowered Worth in any of those, you'll find me. I'm on YouTube as well. It's the Empowered Worth channel. And those are the best ways to really reach us. And if you go to the website on there, I do have a 15 free uh, minute coaching session that I love to give people if you're even considering you have any questions. You'd be surprised how much we can work out in 15 minutes. Um, but maybe it's something you're thinking of. And there's also a, a couple of other free things there. So go to the website. Awesome. 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 Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. All right. So we're at the part of the show where we do the fill in the blanks. Are you ready? 
Yes, I'm ready. Okay, awesome. So the first one is, to me, fearless freedom means? Fearless freedom means being true to yourself. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And then the next one is, if I am fearless, I will. If I am fearless, I will accomplish everything I set my heart. Just content to. And then last but not least, my battle cry is? My battle cry is I am worthy. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your nuggets with the Fearless Freedom Tribe. We appreciate you. And we wish you everything successful in the business, in life, in love, everything. So oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me.